0: The Audible's NFL football podcast is brought to you by the SeatGeek app, the easiest way to find a great deal, pay for your ticket, and get to your seat. Download the SeatGeek app and enter our code Audibles for $20 off your first purchase. We're also sponsored by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. Enter promo code NFLpodcast at fanduel.com for a bonus match of up to $200. And so, hence, they're better off. Thanks for proving my point. Thanks, Chris and Doug.
1: You're the worst. You're the worst. I'm the worst? (laughs) (laughs) Clear
0: disdain for uh, for me in this podcast, clearly, today. Internal overreaction. (laughs) You should have been a lawyer. (laughs) What is happening, everybody? This is Sports Illustrated Audible's Football Podcast. I'm your host, John DiPietro, joined as always by Chris Burke and Doug Farrar. This week, the guys overreact to the Cowboys, Chip Kelly and the Cardinals. They talk Johnny Manziel as the Browns starter for the rest of the season, the Baltimore Ravens' slow start, and answer your questions all on this edition of the Week 2 Audible's Football Podcast. All right, Chris and Doug, let's get right to it. Overreaction number one, the Cowboys are done in the NFC East and have no chance without Tony Romo and Dez Bryant for half a season. Tony Romo out with a broken collarbone. Dez Bryant still out with a foot injury. He's going to miss some time. The Cowboys are done.
2: Uh, Well, I don't think it's an overreaction. I mean, you've got Romo gone. You've got Dez Bryant gone. You're still trying to figure out your running game. Uh, You have the best offensive line in football, but you don't really know what you're blocking for. Uh, I think the defense has played exceedingly well, uh, especially Sean Lee, but Sean Lee doesn't generally stay healthy for too long. Um, I guess the good news for the Cowboys is they're in what has turned out to be a really, really weak division. I mean, I I don't think anyone thought the Eagles would face plant like this. We don't know what the Giants are, and the Redskins are kind of the Redskins. So. If they, if St. Romo's out for eight games and they go four and four, can they come back and uh, you know ramp it up and win a division at you know nine and seven or something? I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. So, as far as an overreaction personnel-wise, I don't think it's an overreaction, but you know in the short term
0: it's certainly a problem.
1: All right, there you go. Doug Ferrar agrees with me. Chris Burke, what do you think? Cowboys you push, are done
0: in the NFC East. You got to right?
1: push that if you want to go full sports talk radio, man. You got to push that and, and ask for them to sign Tebow now. I got to loop him in every episode, and there it is. So we're done with Tebow for today. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a an... well. Texas's governor did the same thing, right? See, you got to go for it. That's, the, that's the starting uh, you gotta point. Go that's there the if you starting point. quarterback. That's the <laughs> apparently he's the only guy out there. <laughs> I think it's a slight overreaction for the reasons Doug said, in that this division's not very good. They are not, it's not a season ending injury for Romo. And I, they already have two wins within the division, too, and a road win in Philadelphia. So now you just try to weather the storm for the next seven, eight weeks. I mean, the schedule's tough. Uh, Atlanta coming in, they have New England, uh, Seattle's there, but it's manageable. I mean, their road games aren't that hard. They go to the Giants, who they already beat, uh, they go to New Orleans, possibly without Drew Brees. You know, they don't play Washington until December and Washington right now looks like uh, kind of amazingly looks like the biggest challenger to them in the NFC. So I think that they can get through this stretch. You know, if they can just pick up two, three wins while Romo's out, I think they'll they'll be fine. They'll be right in the mix. But, um, you know, it's certainly a setback. It, it definitely hurts. I don't think there's any question that Romo to Des Bryant is Uh, Quite an upgrade over Brandon Whedon to Terrence Williams, whoever's catching passes. And and Jason Witten's banged up, too, is another problem. So they they have to figure this out. I mean, it's going to be just they kind of need to nickel and dime their way through this. The run game's got to play well. The defense has to keep doing what it's been doing. And and they're going to have to win some games ugly. A lot of
0: ifs, a lot of uh, maybes there. Cowboys are done. You guys agree with me. Thank you. Uh, Chip Kelly is horrifically overrated and needs to be fired immediately. This, immediately. this guy is not a genius. I'm tired of hearing about it. Let's get somebody in there who can do something in there. Bring back Andy Reid and Philly. What do you think, Doug?
2: Wow. When did you become a Philly sports talk radio host?
1: I'm not. I probably wouldn't bring back Andy Reid. No.
2: Um... <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll say this. The, the way the offense is running right now is certainly disconcerting. Uh, he, for whatever reason, Sam Bradford will not throw deep, even though he has good – the thing about the Eagles' offensive line, the, the pass protection works which makes me think it's more scheme than personnel. Bradford, though, is not throwing deep, and he's got great deep accuracy. And the problem is when they're running those little you know, uh, zone slides and, and pass-offs and power sweeps and things like that, teams know exactly when to jump in the gaps, and that's why DeMarco Murray was getting all those negative plays. So at this point, Chip's offensive schemes have become predictable and that was always a possible uh you know it was always a possibility because you know Oregon basically he had i would say 6 to 8 overall concepts and then iterations of those concepts and it's hard to get away with that in the NFL when people are scheming for you at a different level so you know, well, I mean, <laughs> they, they've been a pretty good team under Chip Kelly. I don't, I don't think we need to, you know, set things on fire yet, but certainly he's got his work cut out for him, and he had better turn it around because this is his team. He went all in. He went to the mattresses. Howie Roseman is, you know, in, in, in charge of facilities or
0: whatever. I mean, he's the guy, and this is now his
2: baby. If it screws up, it's
0: on him. Chris? you're the man you're the voice of reason in this podcast you agree with me chip kelly horrifically overrated needs to go needs to get out of philly right now right <laughs>
1: uh he might want to get out of philly soon at it's straight-up. his mess he made it <laughs> yeah i mean I, I think doug what doug was talking about is really the thing that's shocking it's just and maybe it goes back to bradford maybe it goes back to the offensive line probably goes back to both but The play calling has been so unimaginative, so vanilla, that you can watch, I mean, just watching that game Sunday and people on Twitter are calling out the plays they're going to run and then they happen just based on the formations they're in and the motion they're using. And if we're doing that sitting at home, certainly Rod Marinelli's doing that for the Cowboys and defensive coordinators around the league are taking notice of that. So at some point here, Kelly either has to, force Sam Bradford to open this up or he has to make a switch at quarterback. I think that's, that's the next step here for the Eagles and their, in their issues on offense. And and that's really what's driving their issues as a whole. They have to figure out what they can do at the quarterback spot. Either Sam Bradford needs to improve or they need to make a change because it's really holding everything else back. I think a lot of the, you know, the offensive line, there's just not any answers to, that are going to come easily. There's no no one out there that you're going to go grab and, and drop into that offensive line to make it noticeably better. They already have three running backs who should be able to get you yards both on the ground and through the air. So the personnel, I, I mean, the personnel is as good as it's going to get. They have to figure out how to make the passing game work, and when the passing game starts working, then you'll start to see some of the run game work. But the way Sam Bradford's playing, uh, really hesitant, just not making good reads. It's it's limiting everything they can do, and you're seeing the results of that. Another thing is limiting the Eagles' offense is that
2: nobody's respecting Bradford as a runner on these inside zone sort of pass-off plays. I mean, you saw this against the Falcons and the Cowboys. Um, it's basically kind of a pistol look, and he'll uh, hand off to the running back and sort of run off to the side. Nobody's following him, and that basically puts an extra defender in the box. So... That that's and and the thing about um, you know their guards now, I mean Evan Mathis was kind of, I mean he hasn't played well in Denver so far, and Todd Harriman's I believe is in Atlanta he hasn't played that well either so it's not necessarily oh you know let's kill these guards, it's just you know do some man blocking if you're having trouble with line splits you know get some different stuff going in, and utilize your personnel to your scheme.
0: I'm going to stay in Philly and overreact there. DeMarco Murray is on pace for 88 yards this season. He's the worst free agent
1: signing of all time. I mean, if he finishes with 88 yards, Come I think on. have to put him in there, sure. Uh, I don't think he'll finish with 88 <laughs> yards. I mean, through two games, yeah, they're not getting their money's worth. Uh, and again, it, it's the passing game. So I, I think the offensive line watching them, beyond the play calling, the thing that jumps out is the guys that you would expect to be really good are not playing well. Jason Jason Kelsey was awful, awful in week two. And, you know, Jason Peters had some moments too where he just got beat clean on plays. And those are the types of things that don't happen and can't happen on that offensive line. You know, if they are going to run, they need Kelsey, uh, They need Kelsey using his mobility. They need Peters getting out to the second level. I mean, it's just not happening for anyone right now. So it obviously looks terrible for DeMarco Murray, but I also don't know what he personally can do. I mean, he was getting those handoffs. They're asking him to run wide. There's nobody going with him. And then he gets hit two, three guys in the backfield. I I mean, what, what do you want the guy to do? I don't know how much we can really put on his shoulders at this point. I I think it will get better. It has to get better, but, I mean, right now it looks like a bust in the grand scheme of everything looks like a bust.
2: Most free agent busts are due to incompatibility between scheme and personnel. He's a north and south runner. They're asking him to run east and west. Um, And as far as the worst free agent signing of all time, Albert Hainsworth would like a word with you.
0: DeMarco Murray, Chip Kelly, take your football, take your scheme, and get out of Philly right now. You guys are horrible. The Arizona Cardinals are the best team in the NFC and maybe in the league. I've said it after two weeks. What do you think, Chris? Right? Come on. Cardinals, the I, I, best.
1: I don't think that's an overreaction at all. I, I kind of, I, I did a, a radio spot this week where the host asked me if the Cardinals are being overlooked and they are, and it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why. I mean, they've been a really good team for two regular seasons in a row now really good under Bruce Arians. Certainly you look at the way that NFC West stacks up this year with Seattle's issues. We know what the shortcomings are in St. Louis and San Francisco. They look certainly like the favorite right now. And they were in control of that division last year until Carson Palmer got hurt. And then they lost two games to the Seahawks. So if Palmer stays healthy, that offense can be really dynamic through the air I think they've gotten better on the ground. We're seeing them work David Johnson more into the mix. He's had a few explosive plays already, and we know that they're going to play defense. I, I had questions about them defensively up front coming into this year because they lost some guys in that front seven, top Bowles left, so I wasn't sure what they were going to be able to do against the run specifically. I still think there, there might be some times where they run into trouble there, uh, and Chicago actually moved the ball on them all right early in that game before the Cutler pick six and injury and then it all fell apart for Chicago as it usually does these days but uh I think Arizona's right there I mean I just don't see any team really breaking free in the NFC so you look at Arizona and you look at Green Bay and those are the two that jump out
0: come on Doug Arizona Cardinals are the best they're the best Jerry the best
2: well, I think the overlooking the Cardinals, I don't think what's overlooking is everyone's waiting for Carson Palmer to get hurt again. Um, and if that doesn't happen, they're going to be right in the mix. I think overall, I would take the Packers over the Cardinals. But in the NFC, uh, yeah, right now I'd probably put them one and two.
0: Go to the NFC South. Come on, guys. Orleans Saints are, they've got to be the worst team in the NFC and probably the league right now. They are just god-awful, right, Doug?
2: Uh, have you watched a Bears game? <laughs> have, uh, and then, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, without question. No, <laughs> no. I, I mean, I would even take Garrett Grayson over Jimmy Clausen, and that Chicago defense—forty-eight uh, points they gave up to Arizona was the worst. Home, it was the worst home point total allowed in the Bears' history. Think about that. Bears have been around since
0: 1925. No one's saying no one say the Bears are any good here, but I'm just saying. I think the point of it is the Saints. You thought maybe they'd have contend in the South. Maybe the Bears. No one. No one thought they were going to make the playoffs at all. I think. But uh, the Saints just—they can't win at home. They can't win at all. Drew Brees is hurt. He's gone. Come on. You don't know that. I, right. I I know I'm overreacting. I know that
1: Drew Brees is done. Okay, uh, the Bears are worse.
0: The bear, you, uh, come on, Chris. You're on my side with this one, right?
1: No, I, the Bears are worse. I mean, power power rankings. Spoiler alert here, but uh, the Bears are 32 this week, and I think it's a deserved 32. I I have the Saints. I have the Saints 31. If that helps you at all, but I think the Bears are the worst team in the league because there's just not really any signs other than Matt Forte, who is headed into free agency at the end of this year. So might be on the trade block if they continue down this road. Uh, There just aren't really any bright spots that, as Doug said, that defense is terrible. They gave up a 109 yard kickoff return for a touchdown on Sunday and now Cutler's out. So, and and they were already down all Jeffrey and Kevin white. I, I just don't see where there's any bright spots really for them and new orleans you know obviously not a lot to go on there either but i, I think there's a gap i think they the bears have fallen to the basement by themselves
0: full disclosure i am a chicago's bears fan um we are terrible but uh the saints you are, are? Bears, so you guys are wrong we are we are we I, I, I don't do that either i hate when people do that i don't say we are you really you a Chicago to. Bears fan? I I am I am, oh. but yeah. I didn't. I thought you were a New
1: York. I'm I, one of the New York teams.
0: I like I like the Jets and Giants. I'm from New York, but uh, the 85 Super Bowl was the first game I remember watching, and uh, they won that one. So that's why I'm a Bears fan.
2: Well, Dan Hampton is not walking through
0: that door. No, he's not. No, he's not. But uh, John Fox did. So I'm not excited about that at all. Leads us to our last overreaction. As a Chicago Bears fan. Clearly, everybody hates Jay Cutler. We wanted him out. He's out. We're better off without him, right? You have Jimmy Clausen. Yeah.
2: What are you talking
0: about? But we're better off without Jay Cutler. I mean, we've been hating on Jay Cutler for uh, since he got there, pretty much, right? Well, we've okay, got let, we, we Chicago Bears fans got what they asked for, right? He's gone. Jay, it's awesome. Jay it's a new day.
2: Jay Cutler is what he is. He is, you know, it's been in the league 10 years. He's not going to learn beyond what he's learned. He's not going to do beyond what he does. He's got the best arm talent in the NFL. He is spectacularly inconsistent, and I mean spectacularly both good and bad. That's not the kind of quarterback you necessarily want because he comes with a very high price, but he's, you know, he's who they got, and they haven't been able to get rid of him because of the cap charge. You know, injury situation doesn't help that, and you're not going to get someone in who's any better. And again, it's Jimmy freaking Claussen
0: Yeah, the golden domer, baby. Golden boy Let right it. there. Let he's it.
1: turning it around. They would be better off without him if they had any plan in place for what to do there now that he's gone. There you go. There and, they you. <laughs> and they don't. and We've been waiting for them to put one in place because... We keep hearing that they want to get rid of him. And, you know, all off season they talk. There were the rumors that they were trying to trade him, which his contract really made impossible. But at some point, yeah, I mean, this isn't going to be a situation where he's there. I mean, I think it'd be shocking if he's there beyond the next year or two. So at some point, you've got to make a move to get someone else in there. It's not Jimmy Clausen. It's not David Fales, uh yeah. I remember the, the whole way th-
2: David Fales era thing. That was that was fun for like the two way they're minutes. going. They're certainly lining up for
1: Jared Goff or Connor Cook or one of those guys at the top of the 2016 draft. But uh, they're not better off for now because they have a an average to poor backup quarterback, let alone issues elsewhere. That was generous, by the way. <laughs> Well, if you're right, if you're right, Jay Cutler's gone. They're the worst
0: team in the NFL. Uh, they get the number one pick, and so, hence, they're better off. Thanks for proving my point. Uh, thanks, Chris hey, and you. Doug. You're the
1: worst. What's that? Hey, you're the worst. I'm the worst?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Clear disdain for uh, for me in this podcast, clearly. Internal today. overreaction.
1: <laughs> you should have been a lawyer.
0: <laughs> I should have been, but... Then I wouldn't get to talk to you guys every week, and uh, then I would likely be, said you
1: should have been a. Then I
0: would be sad. Then <laughs> then I would be sad, and you would
1: miss me. But that's Bring our week two. Next week,
0: don't worry. Overreaction next week after they shock the world. Next week, win, get their David... first win in week three. Going to the Super Bowl, baby. Jimmy Clausen
2: will be hosting the podcast.
0: That, Jimmy Clausen's the next Kurt Warner. You watch. You watch. Oh my! God. Going to the Hall of Fame.
2: Can we stop now?
0: Yes, we can stop. That is our week two overreactions. We're going to take a quick break and get our word from our sponsor. Yes, SeatGeek app. I want to tell you guys about the best new way to find amazing deals on football tickets. It's called the SeatGeek app. And when you use our code audibles, you'll get $20 off your first ticket buy. I went to an Aerosmith concert not too long ago. I got my seats from the SeatGeek app. It was easy. It was fast. It was simple. The SeatGeek app takes less than a minute to download, and it's free on the iPhone and Android smartphones. SeatGeek does a ton of things that other ticketing sites just don't do, aggregating from big ticket sites. Just like when you search for flights and hotels online, SeatGeek pulls in ticket options from hundreds of sellers to create a one-stop shop for sports and concert tickets. When you shop on SeatGeek, you're seeing virtually every ticket option available for that game all on one page. No need to go anywhere else. They also have this great feature called Deal Score. It ranks every ticket on the market with a 1 to 100 value score and plots the best deals on a color-coded interactive map of the venue. So you can easily identify the best ticket values in the building at a glance. Finally, SeatGeek's mobile app makes the ticket buying process seamless, easy, and safe. On SeatGeek, you can store your credit card, and once you find the ticket you want to buy, you can complete the purchase with just two taps. There's no faster way to buy tickets. You know who loves SeatGeek? Chris Burke. He buys all of his Justin Bieber tickets from SeatGeek, no exceptions. To redeem your code and save $20 on tickets, download the free SeatGeek app today. Enter promo code Audibles in the app. SeatGeek will then send you $20 once you've made your first SeatGeek purchase. If you want to see the NFL, college football, or the best concerts, use the SeatGeek app and enter our code Audibles to save 20 bucks. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us. This is the Sports Illustrated Audible's football podcast. I am John DiPietro along with Chris Burke and Doug Farrar. And guys, new segment, the cliched generic football term segment. Call it first and ten, call it four downs, call it whatever you want. This is the cliched generic football term Segment. True or false, the Falcons will go 3-0 and against the NFC East and hand the Tony Romo and Des bryant list Dallas Cowboys its first loss of 2015. True or false?
1: I think that's true. I, I mean, I, I talked earlier, I don't think the Cowboys are doomed because Bryant and Romo are out, but I don't think that they win this game. The way the Falcons are playing, and especially playing on defense... I just think that's going to be a pretty tough haul for Brandon Whedon to step in there and try to get a win, even at home. So I think that's true. I think the Falcons win again. Do you concur,
2: Doug? Yeah. uh, Falcons defense looks good. Boy, I'm intrigued by this Falcons offense. I think what Kyle Shanahan is doing, as I mentioned last week, is really, I don't know if it's spectacular, but it's certainly interesting. And yeah, the Cowboys, they're going to make it a challenge on defense, but... (laughs) <laughs> Brandon Whedon meet Dan Quinn. You're not going to like this,
0: Doug. How good could this Falcons? I know it's been uh, only two weeks, and they're two and zero, and we don't want to overreact. That was the last segment. So, but how good uh, can this Falcons team be? Do you see them as a contender in the playoffs at all? I
2: picked. Well, I picked them to win the NFC South, and because uh, I know Dan Quinn pretty well from his days up here, and I knew that he was the guy who got the whole picture. I knew he was going to come in with the right mindset. Um, I was a little tepid about Kyle Shanahan, but you got to throw the Cleveland stuff out. Remember what he did in D.C.? And when he has the personnel to fit his scheme, he's not – you know, Kyle Shanahan is like a, a kind of a metrosexual Gary Kubiak. He's not going to go outside of what he does, but he – you know, th- this works for Atlanta. And I think in a very weak division, they could definitely – you know, 9-7, 10-6 again – I think there are going to be a lot of ten and six division winners. The more I think about it, this year.
0: Metro-sexual Sexual stole my Halloween costume. Gary Kubiak, Metro-sexual right? Gary Kubiak. I just yeah. want, I'm writing that down just so uh, that's my next year's fantasy football team.
2: There's a sexy, there's like a sexy Rex Ryan costume I saw on Twitter yesterday. So I saw sexy
0: uh, Donald Trump, which. Uh, <laughs> there, there you, you go, go, John. There you go. There you go. All right. Next up, true or false, the Cincinnati Bengals will beat the Ravens and send Baltimore to 0-3, Super Bowl favorite preseason pick, Baltimore Ravens, 0-3. How do you see that going down, Chris?
1: I'm going to say false, uh, and that might be against my better judgment because Cincinnati's been playing really well the first two weeks, protecting Andy Dalton. They're balanced on offense. But I think Baltimore, I I don't know. That opening stretch for Baltimore, I think, was harder than – People maybe anticipated. Obviously, going to Denver's to open is tough, but the turnaround. Then they stayed out in California. They went and played Oakland. It's an improving Oakland team, and obviously can can score some points now. So uh, I think that they have some issues. But we've also seen them go through this before. You know where they kind of they made a trade for a cornerback now, Will Davis this week. We've seen them do this in season before, where they kind of reboot a position on defense because it's struggling. Uh, I still think that Baltimore needs to figure out. How to replace Terrell Suggs defensively, their offensive line has been kind of touch and go so far, surprisingly, but coming home, this is pretty close to a must win for them in week three. I think there's still a ton of talent on that team and uh, so I you know this is one that they need to have, and I think they they get it what do you think, Doug Owen three Baltimore Ravens
2: uh, the Ravens have a history of turning that stuff around when it happens, and I think the Bengals are the better team. Um, key to that is to put pressure on Flacco because it, he has these odd and even years where he just can't handle pressure. And last year he was great this year. He's just dog awful. And the Bengals had 20 total sacks last year. I think, you know, you get, you get Michael Johnson, you get Carlos Dunlap, you get Geno Atkins up the middle uh could be a problem for them actually you know what I think in this case I'm going to say yeah Ravens are going on three more I think about uh what the Bengals have especially on defense turn that running game around a little bit yeah I think so Baltimore goes on three
0: Chris what have you seen has been the biggest problem for the
1: Ravens in the first two weeks well I I think they need to get Brashad Perriman healthy first and foremost because they don't have anyone to stretch the field and that's we talk about Joe Flacco struggling under pressure and not putting up numbers. The loss of Torrey Smith is a main reason why right now because a lot of his stats last year and a lot of their big splash plays came either by Smith catching a deep ball deep or uh, drawing pass interference downfield. I mean, he he's a brilliant at that in the Baltimore offense. So I think they need to get Perriman healthy because they're they're sort of working with Uh, less than full capacity now and that was the reason they brought in to give him that big play potential alongside Steve Smith and then I mentioned you know uh, up front on both ends I don't think it's just losing Terrell Suggs they struggled uh, in all facets really against Oakland defensively and then that offensive line in week one really had some issues they couldn't keep Denver's front away from Flacco I mean that won't be the only team that Denver gets after. We've seen them do it twice in two weeks now. Defensively, it's a great defense, but Baltimore lives with, you know, lives and dies with its offensive front and what it can do on the ground. It hasn't really been able to establish itself the way it wants to in the trenches this year. So, uh, there's myriad issues. It's not just one thing. I don't think you can just boil it down to, you know, oh, Flacco's not playing well or oh, Stuggs is out. There there's a lot they need to get fixed in a hurry.
0: Doug, true or false, Johnny Manziel will get the Browns its second straight win and solidify himself as the Cleveland starter for the rest of the year. True or false?
2: Well, he's going up against Oakland, not a really good secondary. Um, And even though the Raiders have Khalil Mack and Alden Smith to rush the passer, Manziel proved uh, against the Titans, and actually against the Jets, by the way, that he can sort of pirouette out of pressure and make these throws I'm doing an all-22 piece on Manziel today, and the thing that impressed me was not the plays outside of structure. We know that can happen. It's the little little handoffs. It's the calmness in the pocket relative to where he was last year. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Russell Wilson, but I've seen a lot of really positive development when I went back and watched last year's tape and this year's tape. He is, in a lot of respects, a different guy in a very good way. So as far as, you know, it's up to Mike Patton and John DiFilippo and, and those guys to figure out whether he's the starter or not. But in my mind, you know, it, it, they got a good chance to beat the Raiders. And I really, you know, it's Josh McCown. What are you going to prove with that? Where are you going to go with that? The guy's a journeyman, it, at least with Manziel. Um, Brian Billick, I heard him say yesterday, get as much data as you can on this kid and figure it out from there. And that's what I think they need to do.
0: And there you have it. That's our fourth and goal pooch punt, drop kick, whatever you want to call it. It's the cliched generic football term segment. Let's take a quick break and get a word from our sponsor. What is this? FanDuel. Yes, FanDuel. NFL Week 2. Tony Romo, he's gone. He's out for weeks. If you've got him, if you drafted him, you're out of luck. Your season's probably over. Not on FanDuel. Not on FanDuel where you get a chance every week to pick a new team. It seems like everybody's playing fantasy football today because, well, they basically are. Don't you miss out. Now with FanDuel, you can play with up to $200 in bonus cash with our code NFLPODCAST. I'm going to guess that you've probably heard of FanDuel by now somewhere before. Not like they run any commercials or anything during these games. Here's what it's all about. FanDuel is the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. They will pay out over $75 million a week this football season got to get some of that cash. Look, we all love fantasy football, but a lot of fans miss out because the whole season just takes too much of a time commitment. I forgot to set my lineup this week in my draft league. I'm done with draft leagues. FanDuel does away with that. You can draft a team anytime and drop into tournaments for weekly cash prizes. Entry fees start at just $1. There's a league for everyone. Entry fees start at just $1. There's a league for everyone. Over 1 million players have won money playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. Now it's your turn to get some of that cash. Go to FanDuel.com, click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, use the code NFLPODCAST, and sign up now. There's a special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it with up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200, people. The offer is only good for the first 50 that use the code NFLPODCAST today. So don't get left out in the cold. And don't forget to use the code NFL Podcast FanDuel, where every day is a new season. That's dot com. Try it out today. SI is part of the Panoply Network. And now we have a new colleague in the sports section, Bram Weinstein. After seven years at ESPN, Bram finally has the freedom to speak his mind about the absurdity of the sports world, from the field to the TV studio. Talking Heads with Bram Weinstein is released on Tuesdays. You can find it on iTunes or visit panoply.fm. Welcome back to the Sports Illustrated Audible's football podcast. I'm John DiPietro, Chris Burke, and Doug Farrar as always. And guys, it's time for our social mailbag. Listeners send in their questions via Facebook and Twitter, and you guys answer them. Let's start off with this one for you, Doug. From at Stephen P. Sheehan. What makes Jamie Collins and Dante Hightower so effective as a tandem? Where does Gerard Mayo fit in in the mix?
2: Uh, Well, Collins, who really came on last year after uh, Hightower and Mayo got hurt, he's their pass coverage guy. He can go in the flex in the slot and cover tight ends. He's really, he's the range guy. Hightower is the first and second down run stopper. Um, Mayo is more the all around guy. He's the superstar. He can do everything. He's their Luke Keekley, Bobby Wagner, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the thing that makes them, and they started to do this last year, and they did it with Mayo and they did it with Collins a little bit, but they really love to do it with Hightower, is Bill Belichick started to do more uh, cross blitzes, kind of fire zone stuff in the A gaps. And it really messes offenses up. And you, you'll see it this year too. Um, And and Bill, of course, loves to switch between 3-4 and 4-3. And, you know, you think of the Patriots as a 3-4 team. I think they've got one of the best 4-3 linebacker cores in the NFL. I would put them top two or three in that regard because each of their guys has his own specialty. And they're kind of like the Beatles or Kiss in that regard. Each guy has his own role. And uh, it works really well.
0: Chris, next one's for you. Ryan... Uh, no, Alton R. Virture on Facebook wants to know who is the best 0-2 team most likely to still reach the playoffs? Uh,
1: I mean, I think you still have to look at... I picked Baltimore and Seattle both to make the Super Bowl, so I maybe this is my fault maybe my I Super Bowl be, picks are maybe 0-14. I shouldn't be talking
2: it's awesome and we, all,
1: we four different teams and they're all oh and it's just it sucks I shouldn't be the guy to talk on this but I mean I think those are the two that I look at, at in Baltimore Seattle certainly Seattle I think the offensive line remains an issue cam Chancellor's situation remains an issue but they're better than an and 2 team they went into Green Bay and, and really played a, a Fairly decent road game. I mean, they were in the lead in Green Bay in the second half. They had a chance to win that game. I, I think they're going to come home. The schedule gets much easier now. Starting with uh future Hall of Famer Jimmy Clausen and the Bears this week. Uh, I think they can run off a few wins. You know, get to five and two, six and two, six and three, whatever it is, and and we'll kind of forget about this start. So, I. I Definitely would not count Seattle out. And as I said, I think Baltimore wins this week and kind of gets back on track, too. I think those are the two teams that uh, I expect to turn things around. I I wouldn't be shocked if a couple others get get on a little run here in the near future, but I think Baltimore and Seattle are the two that stand out for me.
0: Doug, this one's for you from at JB underscore dog fan. What kind of dog do you think he's a fan of? Terriers? I don't know. Anyway uh probably it's
2: it's d-a-w-g d-a-w-g that's washington huskies that's who that is guy from my neck of the woods
0: there you go this is why this one's for you uh wtf is cam thinking obviously wtf means why the face so what is cam thinking
2: what does Cam Chancellor think at this point? I don't know. I wrote a piece on Sunday about how Michael Bennett is handling his contract issues so much better than Cam Chancellor by actually, you know, playing and playing well and mentoring his young teammates like Frank Clark. Um, he's lost over two million in fines and game checks and roster bonuses. He does not appear to be coming back anytime soon. And the thing about the Rams game, they certainly missed him. Uh, the Packers game, they certainly missed him. But they're 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 starting to put things together. You know, they had Deshaun shed at safety um, against the Packers. That started to work. And the thing about the Seahawks is they're not going to budge because Cam Chancellor was a fifth round pick. Richard Sherman was a fifth round pick. I mean Byron Maxwell, who's stinking up the universe in Philadelphia right now. Um, was an afterthought and played at a near Pro Bowl level in this system. They have absolute faith in this system. They understand that Cam Chancellor is a unique athlete and a rare player, but they're saying to themselves, A, we can't acquiesce. I mean, you can't acquiesce to one holdout because you'll have 50. Bill Polian told me that last week, Um, and GMs around the league will tell you that. Secondly, they believe in their system. If they can get 80% of Cam Chancellor out of an aggregate of guys – then why should they budge? I don't know
0: what Cam is thinking at all. Chris Burke, this one's from at C underscore white three. How many yards does DeMarco Murray rush for this year? We went over this before, so
1: it's 88, right? Yeah, I mean, I said I think he tops 88. I definitely don't think he gets to where he was last year, which was uh, far and away best in the league. I mean, I think when all's said and done, given the start, given the issues they have up front, he winds up somewhere in like the eight. Hundred to nine hundred range because he's off to the slow start. They have Ryan Matthews, Darren Sproles, Chip Kelly would love to throw the ball more effectively than he has so far. So I just don't know that he's going to have opportunities to get to much more than that. But I, I do think that they get him going more than he has been. I mean, even to get to eight hundred with fourteen games left, that's not a great per game average for him. So I think that's that's still totally doable.
2: Here's a related question from SI underscore Doug Ferrar: More total yards this season, DeMarco Murray or Jimmy Graham? Jimmy Graham, by the way, has seven catches for 62 yards this year.
0: In that, that leads perfectly into the next social and question for you, because f- on Facebook from Renee, don't call me turd, Ferguson wants to know, will the Seahawks <laughs> make the playoffs? Wow. And when will they util- utilize Jimmy Graham? Um, it's a good question. It's something that Pete Carroll has had to
2: address this week. Um, you know, he said that they had all these different ways to get Jimmy Graham, the ball. And I'm like, well, try throwing it, try throwing it in his general direction. That generally works. Um,
0: that's a good start. I
2: think so. Uh, You know, Darrell Bevel, the offensive coordinator, he was under fire long before that Super Bowl play. And there is some thought around here, people in the know, that the the schemes are predictable. It takes a long time to to work people in. It does require some chemistry, but, yes, I am surprised they haven't worked Jimmy Graham in more. Maybe it's more a home thing. I'll tell you this. If they can't get Graham, like, 10 catches for 120 yards against Chicago's defense— then we need to revisit this next week because then there's a problem.
0: Chris, last one is for you. Wesley Hunter at West Hunter 26 of the Colts Raven Seahawks, which are in the most difficult position? O and and two teams there.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I think the Ravens and Seahawks both get it going. In their division, I think the Colts have the easiest road back in their division. If they go win at Tennessee this week, they very realistically will be tied for first place again at one and two. So uh, I don't necessarily know that they have the most difficult position, but I think they're in in shambles more than the rest of those choices. I think we're seeing the issues between Ryan Griggs and Chuck Pagano kind of spiral now. Pagano had that really, I don't know if bizarre is the right word, but certainly he was – more candid with the media in his post-game press conference comments after Monday night's loss than we've come to expect from NFL head coaches kind of throwing Andrew Luck under the bus and certainly it seemed like he was throwing Grigson under the bus for not being able to fix the offensive line so I think Indianapolis is in the most difficult position as a franchise because there's legitimate concern now that they're not going to be able to continue on the path that they were with, which looked like it was going to end with Andrew Luck winning a Super Bowl in the near future. Now you're sort of regressing back to having to start over and rebuild again around Luck. and So I think just overall that the Colts are in the most difficult position. I think
2: the Colts have the 2014 49ers written all over them. Same schism between the GM and the head coach, same – Lack of depth, same, you know, we're in Super Bowl mode, win now mode, and that's just a GM and an owner ignoring the mistakes they've made in personnel. I think this ends fairly similarly. Probably not with 25 straight retirements and defections, but it's not good.
0: Same running back as well. There you go. Uh, bonus.
2: Yeah, Frank. Maybe it's the curse of Frank Gore. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> uh, bonus question here from at... John underscore DePietro Sounds like a handsome, smart, and happy fellow. Uh, Um, I blocked that guy. (laughs) Well, that's why I got to bring this one up. Uh, He wants to know, uh, are you more surprised by the Jets' 2-0 start or the Colts' 0-2 start, Doug?
2: Um, Well, the Colts' 0-2 last year. They just look worse doing it. The Jets, well, you know, I thought Ryan Fitzpatrick would be a good fit there. The Jets' defense has played better than I thought. I would say I'm surprised overall by not just their 0-2 start but the level of overall dominance and if they can get any sort of offense together you know lather rinse repeat with the Jets if they can ever get any sort of offense together you know they're not going to catch the Patriots but uh, that's a team to watch out for so I'd say I'm more surprised by that
1: what do you think Chris I'm more surprised by the Colts Uh, not necessarily even that they're 0-2 but just how it's happened they were borderline non-competitive Monday night. And it was closer than it should have been mainly because of those jets offensive issues that Doug just hinted at, uh, the jets could have, if they had continued spreading the field four and five wide and throwing the way they did for stretches early on, I think they could have won that game by three or four touchdowns and they got a little conservative. Ryan Fitzpatrick made his usual uh, mistakes downfield, but I, I just, I Even knowing that there were issues up front for the Colts and that they probably botched their first-round draft pick this year and uh, got older at some important positions, I, I still did think that they were the best team in the AFC South. They might still be, but I thought they clearly were and were a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And so to see them just get manhandled, really, by two physical teams the first two weeks is uh i don't i don't want to say it's it total it was totally unpredictable I, I think the bills and jets were tough matchups because of how they play defensively but the way it's happened the way it's gone down for indianapolis so far is is really surprising to me i just would not have imagined they'd be in this much trouble after two weeks of the season what's
0: more likely the jets go to three and oh or the colts go to oh and three this week
1: uh, who do the Jets have? The Jets have the Eagles. Eagles. Jeez, I think both things are fairly likely. <laughs> the way the Eagles are playing and the Colts go to Tennessee. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll say, I guess I'll say the Jets because again, I, I'm not sure the, the Colts have to fix the internal issues first. They have to figure out what's going on inside that locker room before they can win games. And the Jets with the way their defense is playing and the issues we talked about Philadelphia having offensively, that certainly seems to tilt the scales towards the Jets' favor. So uh, I think you got to lean with the Jets there.
2: I'm going to go with the Colts because the Jets' defensive line against the Eagles' offensive line looks like a slaughter, and it almost never works out that way.
0: Just for that simple reason, Doug? Yeah, just for that simple reason. Nice. Just because uh, it's the NFL and things always work out the way you things expect them tend to, right? to bounce back
2: to the middle, even when you think they won't.
0: Yeah. Well, that is our social bag. Thanks for sending in those questions, everybody. Keep sending them in. Our guys will keep answering them, I promise. Let's finish it up. At the end of the day, next week, when Monday Night Football's game goes final, at the end of the week, what we'll be talking about. Doug, at the end of the day.
2: Johnny Manziel will have done to Josh McCown what Russell Wilson did to Matt Flynn. And what is that? They took his jab. <laughs> to quote, South They Park, took they my jab. They took a jab. <laughs> that was terrible. No, nah, yeah, I, I think I think I think Manziel proves this point. As I said, I've seen a lot of. Again, he's not, and the Russell Wilson comparison was, you know, me trying to be funny. He's not near that level yet, but I think he's shown enough of a platform and a base you can build on him as a quarterback now. You couldn't last year, but he's clearly learned. He's clearly matured. There's a lot of stuff on the field that makes sense now to him that didn't before, and I think uh, I think he's going to make Mike Petton's I think he made Mike Pettin's job hard this week. I think he starts to make it easy after the Oakland
0: game. Chris Burke,
1: week three. At the end of the day? Every team in the AFC will have at least one win, which means the Colts go into Tennessee and win, Houston beats Tampa Bay at home, and Baltimore gets that win over Cincinnati, which then would... You know, you you potentially then would have three teams tied at the top in the AFC North at two and one, and all four AFC South teams could be one and two, assuming the Jaguars don't go into New England and win, which they're not going to do. So uh, I think the AFC gets everyone off the snide this week. I think everyone's got at least one after, after Sunday's games. And
0: I think at the end of the day, Doug Farrar and Chris Burke, you guys are the best at what it is you do. And what it is you do. I don't really know what it is, but you guys what are is the that? best. I, I don't you know guys either. are the best at it. No clue. And that is our week two edition of the Sports Illustrated Audibles Football Podcast. Thanks to Chris Burke. Thanks Doug Ferrar. Thank you guys for listening. Subscribe to us on iTunes now.